Welcome to Real Life at the Ridge, the preaching ministry of Chestnut Ridge Church. Thank y'all so much, and uh, again, what a blessing it is to be able to uh, share God's Word with y'all this morning. I'm going to go ahead and invite you to turn with me in your Bibles to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12, we're going to look at verse 1 this morning uh, is our primary verse. I'm going to read verses 1 and 2 in just a moment, but <clears throat> verse 1 is our primary verse uh, this morning, and I want to talk to you this morning a little bit about an altar. And actually, our title this morning is Alter the Altar. Alter the Altar. Um, so let's dive into this uh, text, Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. He says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Do not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Now, verse 1, once again, it says, I beseech you, he says, or I urge you, my brothers and my sisters, by the mercies of God that you present or that you give, bring to uh, him, your bodies, a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service, or where, which is your uh, reasonable act of worship, uh, the, 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 the least that we can do. And so let's pray. Father, take your word this morning, please. And God, I pray that you would uh, alter the day coming before us tomorrow by altering us today. May we be different when we leave this place. Father, we're going to give you the high praise for it in Christ's name. Amen. Uh, many of us, if not all of us, that's been around church life for any length of time, we um, have heard of an altar before. Um, most of our lives, if not, uh, I'm just using my experience in church life, we have heard about this area up here that in, and in some churches, different denominations, it could be in different places. There, I know churches that have rooms set aside where they have like a prayer room and they have an altar, like a prayer bench there. You go up to the Billy Graham Training Center and go into the chapel that Miss Graham uh, designed there. There is up above where a lot of times a balcony would be or like a sound booth, there's a little window there and you can see a globe there from the pulpit area, not that I've preached there before, but I have stood there before, and there's a globe there, and if you go and travel up, there is a prayer uh, table there with prayer business, a round table, that globe sitting in the middle of it, 
and benches around there where you can kneel down and pray there around that table. She is said that she uh, designed it that way so that whoever was preaching could see the world while they were preaching and keep their mind on uh, the lostness and missions within the world. But then there's some churches that have, uh, they have pews and they have uh, kneeling benches that flip out from up underneath the, uh, the pews there so that you can kneel down and pray right there in your pew. Regardless of what you've known it to be, um, I want to challenge you today to think about an altar in a different place and think about uh, possibly even a different application of an altar. In church life as a pastor, I know that many times the, the, what we call the altar, we come down, it gets used a lot more for, for request, almost as if God's a genie in a bottle, that we want to come and ask Him to fix a person or fix a certain situation or provide something that we are in need of. But that's not the primary use of an altar in Scripture. We get things backwards sometimes. I'm not saying that we shouldn't have a place that we go to. As a matter of fact, Abram had a place and he, he, he constructed an altar. And it says the, in the Bible, and I believe it's the first place in the Bible that it actually says it in, in uh, Genesis chapter 12, that he built that altar and there he called upon the name of the Lord. So there he, he called upon the Lord there at that particular place. <laughs> but in our text, I want you to listen to it. He says, I beseech you or I urge you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. But I want to break out a couple of words there and we'll deal with what's in between in a moment. But for right this minute, he says that we are to present to God. You, if you get the picture there, all of this verse is talking about us presenting something to God. Now, I've thought about this morning, even when I was uh, a teenage boy trying to woo young ladies and all, I would buy a gift for them for their birthdays or something like that, and I would have it all packaged up nice and pretty. Well, I stepped the game up when I and had, was in asking Christy to marry me. Um, you know, I, I picked a place there at uh, the, the State House grounds in Columbia, South Carolina, and we walked after we eat a nice meal we walked around the state house grounds and i had that ring you know how it is you got that ring in your pocket there and we got to that particular spot and got down on the knee and you know presented the ring and and, and i thought about the 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 time and the care even though today some folks might look at that ring and say that ain't much for me at that stage in my life it was a lot can i get a witness guys amen uh and, and so that, that ring was in a, a package that I had took the time to make sure that it was all seated where it needed to be and it was not shabby looking. And, and then I, uh, you know, I planned the time and the place that I was going to present it to her and how I was going to present it. And I thought, thought about the fact that I put a lot of care into that because it meant a lot to me. There was something I was trying to accomplish there. But then I got to thinking about us presenting something to God. And he says that, it, Paul says here, he says that we are to present this to God. And we'll talk about what we're going to present in a minute, but just still just hang tight here. You know, in the Old Testament and, and even uh, through um, just testimony of history, 
these altars that they would build normally were raised up and they were even called the, the table of the Lord. That, that this was something that you were bringing to him to offer to him. And we know in the Bible, we, we know of times when they would give sacrifices of, and offerings and it would be a, as a sweet smelling aroma when it was given rightly to God. It was a sweet smelling aroma to him. It, it even says in the Bible that it entered into his nostrils and that he was pleased with it. And I don't want you to miss this whole idea of the fact that we're asked to give this offering to God that it be pleasing to Him and that you and I should not just have a flippant attitude about it, that we are to put forth a, a, a great effort, a, a, a lot of thought, a lot of that, that we are to prepare for this, this time because we are presenting something to the Lord. And I'm not trying to take anything away from what I gave her that day, almost 30 years ago, won't be long, uh, not this coming year, but the, about a year and a half from now, it'll be 30 years ago. Not trying to take anything away from that, but I should, give some, I should take greater care of what I give to the Lord than I do what I give to anybody else. I mean, He is Jehovah God. So if an altar is where you would present or give an offer a sacrifice to God, then what does your altar look like? Uh, let me take you to a couple of thoughts because I believe that if we cut to the chase, and that's what I want to do this morning, I want to make sure that I get everything that I want to get in. So I'm just going to cut to the chase this morning. I do believe that our altar that we offer this sacrifice upon is the altar of our hearts. Now listen to what he says in Psalms. In Psalm chapter 51, verse 10, he, he's, the psalmist says, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. And if I flip over to Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, he says, Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it springs the issues of life. Now, I want to stop there. I'm going to read a few other verses, but I want you to let that settle in for a, a moment. The psalmist is saying, God created me a clean heart. And, and, and in Proverbs we read, he says, take careful diligence to guard your heart, to, to watch your heart, because out of your heart proceeds the issues of life. So if, the, if, if our heart is per se the altar of our lives, the place that we are going to start the sacrificial process, that's where we're going to lay it down at the beginning. And think about it. Is it not true? The Bible says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So what we're saying is that even what I say out of my mouth, it proceeds forth from my heart. So if I'm going to give God anything in service, if I'm going to give God praise this morning, if I truly am going to give God praise, where would it come from? It would come from our hearts. That, it, that all the issues of life, all the things of life proceed from here. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. We know that our treasure is where our what is? Our heart is. That is upon our hearts. That is where God is doing His great work. In Ezekiel 33, He says that I will sprinkle you with clean water and you will be clean. He said, I will take out the heart of stone and I'll put in a heart of flesh. It's almost a picture of a, a malleable heart, uh, uh, like the potter sitting there with clay that is able to be shaped and molded. What God's doing in our lives, our hearts. Uh, listen to Proverbs 27. Proverbs 27, verse 19. 
As in water, face reflects face, so a man's heart reveals the man. So if you see a man's heart, you see a woman's heart, you see who they truly are. Now see, there's an interesting thing about that, because in my life, one of the greatest struggles I have is what you don't see. You know, when it comes to the, the whole idea of murdering, Jesus took it to the, to the, like, to the tenth degree, or, if you want to say. He said, I say that if you have hatred in your heart for your brother, you've already committed murder. And see, you can't see all the times that I've committed murder in my heart. As a matter of fact, at this stage of my life, what I struggle with the most, now that I, I somewhat mature in a little bit, I play games up here. You just don't know what's going on. There's a lot going up on going on up here that you really don't know about. And and so I'm sitting here going, you don't know that I've committed murder, and I'm going to take great care in making sure you don't know I commit murder. And it's all that going on up here that I'm dealing with God about. You can look so sanctimonious like you ain't got some thought life and things you think and they, if you want to, but I know the truth. But don't worry about me knowing the truth. He knows the truth. He knows my heart. And see, if I could put my heart, and I wouldn't, wouldn't dare want to do it, if I could put my heart on this screen, you probably wouldn't want to look up. But the same could be said for most any of us. If God was to truly expose our hearts, unfiltered, unplugged. You ever been around somebody that didn't know you was around and you heard their heart while they were speaking? It hurts if it's you they're talking about. I've accidentally picked up the phone before in the office. And I'm getting ready to hang the phone up, and they start talking about me. And I know y'all would hang it on up, but I didn't. But I wished I had. There was a gentleman uh, down toward Louisiana, between around Alabama and Louisiana, right in that area down through there. Can't remember the name of the church and the pastor. I just remember the story. The man's. I know the man said it out of his own mouth. It was not hearsay. He said that a rumor had went around about him in the church. Uh, and, and he went to his staff and he said, y'all know this is not true about me. And they said, Pastor, don't worry about it. We know it's not true about you. Don't, don't, don't sweat it. And he would go around to people all, all through this time. You know this isn't true about me. You know this isn't true about me. And he said, Pastor, calm down. We know it's not true about you. We don't believe that. Then he found out who it was that was started the rumor. It was a lady that sung in the choir. While he sit there in the pew one morning, he seen her singing in the choir. And he's like, God, you know this is not true about me. And he says it's as if the Holy Spirit of God spoke to his heart, and he said, I know it's not true about you, son. He said, but aren't you glad they don't know what I know is true about you? And that is, the, that is the truth of our lives, is it not? Would you want me to put what's true about your life up here for everybody to see? No. Listen to what he says here. 
in Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 13. And you will seek me, and you will find me when you seek for me with all of your heart. Do you hear that? He said, you will seek me, and you will find me when you seek for me with all of your heart. So if, if the altar of our lives is our heart, if this is the place, what needs to be altered? You know, I think about back in 1 Kings chapter 18. In 1 Kings chapter 18... We've got a, the story of Elijah and the prophets of Baal. The prophets of Baal are uh, in great number. Uh, and, and Elijah calls them to a showdown. He feels as if he's the only prophet left in Israel. He says, I'll tell you what we'll do. We're going to take these two animals. You take one, I'll take the other one. You sacrifice one. I'll sacrifice the other. You build an altar, I'll build an altar. We'll sacrifice. And whoever's God answers, whoever has a God that answers by fire will be the one that comes out as the winner. And it says early that morning, they started the prophets of Baal. They got the first start. Elijah gives them the pick of the animals. He gives them the first chance and they go at it. They begin to call on Baal and chant, and, 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 it's, and it's almost as if they're hearing nothing because that's what they're hearing is nothing. And Elijah begins to taunt them. Maybe he's asleep. Maybe he took a nap. Maybe he's busy right now. And he begins to taunt. And as he begins to taunt, they try harder and harder and harder. And the Bible says that they, he had started cutting themselves so much so that the blood was flowing out to the altar. And they heard nothing all the way up until late evening, the time of the evening sacrifice. And their, their time is up. Elijah does this in verse 30. He says, everybody, come on around here. And I'm just paraphrasing, but he says in, 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 in uh, 1 Kings 18, verse 30, he says, gather around. And as the people gathered around, the Bible says that he put back in order the altar that had been torn down or had been messed up. And the reason that it was in disarray, the reason that it was in disrepair was because they had not used it in a long, long time. It had fallen in disrepair. It was not used. And see, I would beg to ask our own hearts this question. Ask yourself, how long has it been since there has been regular, right worship on the altar of your heart. We all have those moments, don't we? I had, I had one of those high moments on Thursday. On Thursday, I was riding. I was getting my praise on. I was listening to some preaching. I was listening to some, you know, some worship and, and all. And I, I, was in, I was enjoying some time with the Lord, so much so that I had to pull the truck over not because my praise was getting so outright. I had to stop for a moment because I had to repent because it had been a long time since I had been in that place with God. I wonder if the altar of your heart is in full readiness. It's ready for an offering to be given to God, not just any offering, a pleasing offering. 
I beseech you, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable sacrifice, which is our acceptable worship. <clears throat> so what needs to be altered? I love that word because it doesn't mean that you just throw it away and get something new. It means that you work with what you have. If you're a Christian today, you're a child of God, I want you to hear my heart. If you know without a shadow of a doubt that you're saved, you don't need to get saved again. You need to repent and do your first works over again. If you're lost, you need to be saved. But if you know that you're a child of God, the Bible urges us that we need to make what was right at one time right again. So he says there that we're to give our bodies. I want you to think with me here about the content of what's being given to God. He said, I beseech you, I urge you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Listen to what he says. He tells us what we're presenting and what shape it should be in. Holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. We are to present our bodies as a living sacrifice holy and acceptable unto God. Now, there's a couple different types of sacrifices that are given in the Bible. Several, as a matter of fact, uh, uh, offerings that are given, uh, our worship, if you will, but this, what we're laying on the altar. Well, the greatest sacrifice that's ever been given is a sacrifice of atonement. Every year on the day of Yom Kippur, they would have a, what they call the day of atonement where they would give sacrifices for the sins of all the pe people. And it was, uh, to put it lightly, it was a bloody mess because there were a lot of animals that are sacrificed during this time. But those people knew, we don't give them credit for this a lot of times, they knew that those animals could not atone for the sins of people. You know how they knew? The same way that we know. Because it did not fix their moral issue. It did not fix their heart. The reason that you and I know that we're saved today... Did it just disappear? Oh, anyhow. You know what? To God be the glory. It's going to be all right, ain't it? So, I, I might be overflowing with electricity. Maybe that's what it is. But uh, probably not. But don't, don't miss. Those people knew. And you and I know that we're saved today because we have an advocate with the Father. That when you and I sin, the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 12, that you and I are convicted. We are uh, chastised because we are children of the living God. That, that uh, without that chastisement, he doesn't, we're not his children, we're illegitimate. But that he loves all those that he chastises, or chastises all those that he loves. And in the Old Testament, 
They knew when they walked away that day that there was not a finished work done, but that they were being obedient to God and they were looking forward to the sacrifice that would come. And we know that the atonement, that sacrifice for atonement, it was accomplished by Jesus Christ. Let me take you to Hebrews for just a moment. Hebrews chapter 10. In Hebrews chapter 10, I want to look at verses 10 through 14. He says, By that will we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. And every priest stands ministering daily and offering repeatedly the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God. From that time, waiting until his enemies are made his footstool. Listen to verse 14. For by one offering he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. So Christ Jesus has taken care of the atonement. See, when we look at that verse, sometimes it can be stressing for us that we are to present our bodies a living sacrifice. It's like, God... What can I offer? And a lot of people struggle with this. As a matter of fact, they may not struggle with it and thinking of it in the light of what we're talking about, but it is the issue. There are countless young ladies that do not see themselves as adequate. There are countless young men who also do not see themselves as adequate. And we've heard people say these words, What can I offer God? that he would be pleased with. Well, I can promise you one thing you cannot offer God is an atonement for sin. You and I do not have anything that we can offer to God that would atone for our sins. That's why Jesus Christ came. That's why he died, because he died the death that we couldn't die. He lived the perfect life that we couldn't live. And, all, and, and so I guess what I'm saying is if you are a child of God today, take a deep breath and take a rest. That is taken care of. That's not what God's talking about in this text. He's not looking for you to work your way so that he will love you. He is not looking for you to perform in a certain way so that he would love you. He loves you because he chose to love you and he knew he was going to love you even though you looked the way you did and acted the way you did. He still loved you. Even that while we were sinners, Christ died for us is what the scriptures say. And that's not what he's after here. He is after those that have been redeemed by the mercies of God. Listen to what Paul says. He says, I appeal to you, my brothers, by the mercies of God. What mercies? The love of God which saved us. The love of God which sanctifies us. The love of God which by charitable grace has been given to us each and every day of our lives. Even the conviction that he gives us. He said, by those mercies, I want you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. In other words, he now says, the mercy that you have received, I want you to give that mercy now. I want you to be charitable like I was charitable to you. I want you to love like I loved you. I want you to, to walk like I walked for you. I want you to give like I gave for you. He says, therefore, my brothers, by the mercies of God, present your bodies a living sacrifice. 
I, I want to just say this. I think that if we kind of summed up a lot of the other offerings in the Scriptures, they lean toward thanksgiving. The grain offerings and all the other tithes and things that we give that, and that they gave back in that day, you know, they, they differ with, we give thanksgiving offerings, uh, offerings of thankfulness for what God has given to us. But think about it. They, they bring in all the grain and they give God the first fruits of their labors. They, they, they have all these cattle and they're having these uh, baby cows and baby rams and all these animals and they give to God the first of them. And it's like us giving our tithes. We should give our tithes as a first fruits offering to him. That that should be one of the first things that we do. Why? God, you've been so good to us. It's the least we can do to give back to you because you've been so abundantly good to us. There's a story about a man and his son that were on this long trip. And the young boy, just like a lot of young boys do, Dad, I'm hungry. He says, son, just hang on. We're going to get there. We just, all we got to do is cross this bridge, and they could see the golden arches, not McDonald's, but the real, the arch, St. Louis. Anyhow, son, all we got to do is just get over there, and, and, and we'll get something to eat. And he just keeps begging. So dad pulls over, and there's this little restaurant there, and he goes in there and gets him a nice bag of hot french fries. And he brings them out, and they're sitting down at this little table, and the boy's just eating them up. And the dad reached over there to get just one french fry down toward the end. And the boy looked over at him and said, those are my french fries. And the dad went through his mind. He said, he don't realize that without me, he wouldn't have no french fries. You and I, a lot of times, don't we? We grab a hold of everything that we have thinking that it's all ours and that we provided it. And the truth is that you and I would not have anything. We wouldn't even be alive today if it were not for him. He says that we are to give our bodies. Now, I want to cut to the chase for time's sake and just let you in on this without going through a, a, a bunch of other stuff. He's talking about our behavior. You and I have been given a gracious opportunity that now through the Holy Spirit of God living in us, God has allowed us the privilege to be able to use our bodies for His service. So our salvation is sealed up, okay? Our salvation is locked in Him, but now our service to Him. We are to, he, Paul says, I beseech you or I urge you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice. In other words, you and I get to control what our fingers do. You and I get to control what our toes do. You, from in here, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth does speak. If you and I run, that choice was made in here. If you and I look at something, that choice was made in here. That's why he tells us, be careful about what you look at because the eye is the light of the body. What you take in here, it affects the whole, the Bible says. So you and I have the responsibility to take our bodies and give our bodies as a sacrifice to God, a living sacrifice. We'll talk about that in just a second. But think about it. And that decision is made right in here. Should I or shouldn't I? Will I or won't I? Will I love this person that's unlovable or will I not? 
Will I forgive this person or will I not? Will I take this that I have and go give it to my brother or will I not? You, you get the point that you and I, will, will I speak kind words today or will I not speak kind words today? Listen to Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6 and verse 13. Do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. Did you hear that? He says, do not present your members, your body, as instruments of sin to unrighteousness, but as those, listen again, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead. You and I, even though everybody walking around on the face of this earth that is actually motivating, they're breathing and all, they are alive physically, but you and I are alive spiritually. You hear me? He says, my brothers, present your body Present your bodies a living sacrifice. In other words, a sacrifice that has been resurrected from the dead because Jesus has been resurrected from the dead. A, a body that has been changed from death to life. I rode by the place that I, where God saved me, brought salvation to my life. There's three single wide mobile homes sitting there on that place today. There was three single wives sitting there the day that God saved me. Right in one of them. I won't go through the whole story of that, but right in one of them, heaven opened up and God spoke to me and changed my heart. Did you know that just last year there was a murder? Our neighbors had a kid my brother's age. Now my brother's 44 years old this year. And so this kid's grown up. But I was reading this, this caption in a, in a newspaper thing because somebody sent me the link to it. And there was the picture of those three single wide mobile homes. The doors opened, some of the windows busted out. And they found the body of my neighbor's son murdered in one of them. And I thought to myself, I rode by again because I said, God, you're so, so gracious to have took somebody from death to life that you have brought me from a place and I ain't worried talking about the physical situation but I was dead until that day but then God breathed life into me and if you're saved today God has breathed life into you spiritual life he has taken that heart of stone out. He's put in a heart of flesh. Now the things that I want to do, I don't do. And the things I don't do, I want to do. And there's a battle going on inside of me. And it's for the glory of God and for his kingdom. And he says we are to present our bodies because our bodies don't belong to us anymore. We've been bought with a price. And he says now I'm asking you to offer this in, your, in reasonable worship. That you and I, we think about worship by, oh, lead us in worship. No, 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 no. This is when we get together and have corporate worship when we sing in here. But you and I worship every single day of our lives if we so choose to. If we pay for somebody's meal ahead of them while they're in a drive-thru, it is a worship that we give to Almighty God because God has blessed us. If you and I 
take and help somebody through a doorway to hold their hand because we see they need somebody to hold the door open for them. It is an act of worship. If you and I give praise to him any time of our lives, when we thank God for our food, any time we do anything, we are worshiping our God and our King. And just as we learn in James chapter 1, we are to count it all joy when we fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of our faith produces patience. In other words, we are to worship all the time, not just when we come to church on Sunday morning. He says we are to present our bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable unto God, which is our reasonable service. So the second question, first question being, what needs to be altered? Is there anything in your heart that needs to be altered, repented of, whatever, so that now you can offer to God a sacrifice and it needs to be an acceptable sacrifice. In other words, get your heart right, then what you're doing is it right. Let me read you a, a verse out of 1 Peter chapter 2. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 5, you also as living stones are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices. This is in the New Testament. Just want to let you know. This is in the New Testament. That we are to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God. Sounds a lot like Romans 12, 1, doesn't it? But Peter adds a little tag on there that's very, very important. Through Jesus Christ. Did you get it? See, that wraps up the whole deal of where does this sacrifice come from and what's it for? You and I, if you're lost, you can't give a spiritual sacrifice through Jesus Christ because Jesus Christ is not your Lord. He has not redeemed you. He has not atoned for your sins or the atonement for your sins is not applied to your life. I should say it that way. He, he, he is, um, so everything that we do We've often said that we are to be His hands and His feet, right? That is God working through us in Christ. So everything that we do, our, the power that we have to love somebody that we wouldn't normally love, that power comes through Jesus Christ. We're reminded that Christ forgave us, so we must forgive them, right? We, we, we're reminded of Christ. We, we, it is Christ working in and through us, we say. So everything we do, the sacrifice that we give, our bodies, this sacrifice, it is through Christ Jesus. Our hands, our feet, our toes, our toenails, our fingernails, every bit of us, whatever we do, we do it all to the glory of God. Amen. Do it all to the glory of God. <clears throat> so <clears throat> what would God want with you? He wants you to use what He has given you. And don't forget that. You say, I'm not the most eloquent speaker. That's what Moses said. God said, just be available. I'll take care of making up the difference. You say, I'm not strong enough. I'm not fast enough. I don't, I'm not, 
I'm not a good singer. I'm not this. I'm not that. But what are you? God has given to all of us certain gifts. God has given to all of us to be a part of the body of Christ. And did you know that the body is not complete without you? And that, that the Ephesians tells us that the body grows by what every joint supplies through the effectual working of the, the, the body within itself. So you are an important part of the kingdom work individually and corporately. That you have something to offer. So don't let the devil have his heyday with you thinking that you just don't, you're not able to or you don't have something worth giving. That is a lie straight out of the pits of hell. You and I, God has chosen you for this day. And I'll need to remind you because it just keeps getting more and more interesting out there of what I heard that preacher say. If this is the last inning of the ball game, isn't it kind of crazy that God would put you up to bat on the batting roster? Think about that. And you, you, just, you just ain't on the team now. You're on the roster. I don't know a whole lot about baseball, but that means you're going to get to hit. Can I get a witness? I think that's what it means, ain't it? You got a good chance of getting to hit. Well, his lineup, he's expecting you to hit. What I'm trying to tell you is God has a plan for your life. And maybe the only thing holding it back is you getting your heart ready for him to use you. I'm going to ask you to stand with me for just a second. Right where you are, this is how I'd like to handle this. Maybe online, maybe here. If, you're, if you don't know Christ as your Lord and Savior, this is what needs to happen. Exactly what Jesus told them. You need to repent and you need to believe. You need to repent, acknowledging the fact that you are a sinful person. The Bible says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. None righteous, not one. That you and I were, are thieves, murderers, um, disobedient, just it, without God. And if you're lost today, that's you. You are a lawbreaker. The penalty for even breaking one of God's laws is death. So you need to acknowledge where you're at today with that. And then you need to believe that Jesus Christ, His finished work on the cross, is what you're believing in to atone for the sins that you have before God. So that the wrath of God has been removed from you. And now the grace of God has been bestowed on you. And you're, you're now a child of the living God. As a matter of fact, through Jesus Christ, He has given us the right to be called children of God. So I encourage you that you cry out to God to do that if you're, and do that if you're lost. I will gladly help lead you in scriptures. I will gladly help you as much as I can. But I'm just going to be honest with you. You have to tell Him that. You have to deal with that between you and Him. I can't do that for you. But I would love to help you any way I can. So I will be available right after this service is, is finished. And then everybody else, I know it's hard. I'm sick of making contingency plans to go with every decision that we make. Even as a staff this week, I challenged. I had already had contingency plans set up for me so that if I woke up on a Sunday morning and just had 
something going on that just wasn't right, then I got some people I can call, fill in for me. I wouldn't ask you to do something that I'm not gonna do myself. But even this week, I was like, you know what? I challenged our staff, I was like, and our leaders, I was like, you have to have a contingency plan for you. So that if you, I hate having to do that. Why, why can't I just make one plan, you know? But it's not that way right now in the world we're living in. You know, going and putting all these things into buildings, that wasn't wouldn't, that wouldn't what I woke up on Monday morning wanting to try to help make happen. But it's just what, what had to happen. And I know your lives are turned a little bit upside down too, not just because of what the pandemic stuff, but there's a lot going on, a lot of things. Um, you know, I'm a maintenance person. We had two belts on our units that needed to be replaced. Thank God we found one of them. Y'all wouldn't have had air conditioning in here today probably because that dude was on its last thread. I went to go find belts on 4.30 on Friday evening. And I'm telling you what, I was from one place to the next where normally they'd have hundreds. <laughs> they had like 15 over here, 10 over there. I almost had to ride to Spartanburg. Just saying, I know your lives are not in the norm right this minute. But I got good news for you. God knew about all this stuff. He knew about all this. And so don't panic. And if I can tell myself that too, don't panic. He's got this. He's got it. Thank you for listening today. Pastor Greg wants to share with you how the gospel changed his life and how it can change yours too. You know, Tim, it was the gospel that saved me. I'll never forget when Ray Elder came into my life, uh, God put him there and he shared the truth of the gospel with me, that I was a sinner, that Christ died for my sins and that if I would accept him as the Lord of my life and follow him, that he would change my life. And that's exactly what he's done. I wonder if that's something that you would like to do today, that you would today before God just admit, you know, God, I'm a sinner, I'm lost, and I need you. And God, I believe that Christ died on the cross for me, and I want to accept his payment today for, for my sins, and I want to live for him from this point forward. If you pray that prayer today, we want to welcome you into the family of God. We also want to encourage you to contact us. You'll find a link below where you can reach us. And so we look forward to hearing from you. so much that he gave his son for us. Amen. God bless you guys.